Welcome to the American Med Spa Podcast, Medical Spa Insider. This week, founder Alex Tiersch is in conversation with Dr. Jennifer Walden, plastic surgeon and president of the Aesthetic Society. All right, welcome everybody. This is Alex Tiersch, and I have on the AmSpa Podcast Hotline the lovely and talented Dr. Jennifer Walden down in Austin, Texas, fresh out of surgery. Um, so we've got, we've got you, you know, right when you're really thinking about all things aesthetics. <laughs> um, but um, you know, I'm very excited to have um, Dr. Waldman on the on the uh, Walden, sorry, on the on the podcast because you are. Um, for those of you who don't know, um, Dr. Walden, she is. I believe we call you a certified badass. Is kind of how we. You are the. Um, we're recently named and recently started your your term as the first ever female plastic sur- surgeon president of the Aesthetic Plastic Surgery Society. So, the um, what is that? The American Society for Aesthetic Plastic Surgery, ASAPS, which is. Um, an amazing organization, one that I've done a lot of things with and, and, and we hope to do a lot of things with uh, in the future. You've also got a thriving surgical practice, multiple med spas in a, in a, in a couple states. And I, like I said, I think your, your certification for badass is coming in the mail. So how, 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 how are you doing? Good. I hope you send me a letter jacket, but yeah. badass on the back. So, um, yes. no, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me today. No, of course. Um, you know, so I'd, I would love to start. Um, uh, of course. I mean, I've been honestly, I would love to, I've been hankering to get you on the podcast for a long time. So, um, I would love to start though with, um, you are, as I mentioned, uh, you just were, I don't know if you were elected or appointed, how it works, but you've, you have become the, the, the first female president of ASAPs, which I think is, is amazing and should be, you know, celebrated just from a, um, not only from your perspective as an incredible accomplishment, but also just from an industry perspective. I think it's, it's really cool that, that they've done that. I'm surprised it's taken as long as it has, but nevertheless, um, um, how does that make you feel? Like, tell me about this. Like, this is, this is an, I think an incredible accomplishment. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah, Um, thank you so much. I mean, so, um, you know, a little bit of history about me, I'll kind of tell you like, the backstory on that a little bit, but um, I, I, I'm from Texas. I'm a native Austinite, and so I went to the University of Texas at Austin, I went, and I went to medical school at UT Galveston, and, and I stayed in, in residency there. Um, my mentor was Dr. Linda Phillips, and she was amazing. She's been a lifelong mentor. But um, one thing that that program didn't have a lot of at that time was facial aesthetic surgery training. And so during a, one month in 2001, or one month when you're a junior resident, you go and you, you'd go to Miami and you'd visit the, the practice of Tom Baker and Jim Steusen. So uh-huh. Baker and Steusen. And um, back then, um, it was 2001, and, and t- interestingly enough, it was it was the month after 9/11, and so I flew there, and I was the only person on the plane to Miami. But I was, mm-hmm. by God, I was going to go because I was interested in aesthetic surgery. So I was I was like, I don't care. I'm getting on a plane. I do not it. care. Make it happen. Um, and I got there, and it was it was an amazing experience, and it opened my eyes to something I had never. Uh, the world of aesthetics, I just didn't know. This was kind of before. Or like Botox and filler, yeah. you know, Jay fillers. This was before all of that. So, yeah. um, but Tom, Tom Baker was like one of the first people who did like croton phenol peel and they did the modern smash facelift techniques, um, mm-hmm. one of, you know, pioneers in that. And so 
Um, I was really lucky to be there, but because it was October 1st, you know, 2001, when I got there, they were a little slow because people were afraid to travel at that point in time. For sure. Yeah. And and it it was a really sad time. Um, But what we did, you know, what I did to fill my time is they had like a medical library and I'd go in the evenings and watch um, surgery. I'd watch like all my favorite surgeons perform facelift, rhinoplasty surgery. All that thing. And I, that's how I learned it. Like yeah. I learned their name, their face, their dialect, you know. So, yeah. um, and I learned the procedures that way. So every night we we watch those, and I learned that. Um, and I, I decided at that point in time, I was really um, kind of interested in being in New York. So I felt some type of, of a bond to New York City because yeah. I think it was because nine eleven. I felt like so helpless and I couldn't do anything. I'd always been in Texas, so I ended up going to um, do an aesthetic surgery fellowship in at Manhattan Eye, Ear, and Throat Hospital, 2003 to 2004. Wow. Um, Cheryl Aston was the chairman there at the time, and it, it was the most amazing fellowship, really, mm-hmm. because you walk down the hallway and all the all of the greats were operating in OR one, two, three, four, yeah. five, and I learned so much that year. That was the year I, I also first attended my first aesthetic meeting, yeah. which was being held in Las Vegas. And this is before the, the core specialties had gotten together yeah. and started to have meetings. This is way yeah. preceding that. Um, but it was it was the first meeting like this I'd ever been to. So you can imagine, I went in and there were these big screens with people um, speaking and talking about facelifting. Um, and I was, I was, I was like in love. I was, yeah. I, it was, it became my passion. I mean, the exhibit hall, I'd never seen an exhibit hall before. And when I walked in, <laughs> I was so excited because all the, it wasn't like a lot, you know, you didn't walk in and see cool sculpting and filler and yeah. Botox cosmetic. It was more of like skincare. So yeah. all the skincare companies had samples. And so I was like, yeah. I was like, 28 yeah. years old. I was grabbing all the skincare. And so you were hooked. Yeah, you oh were hooked. Oh, my gosh. I was hooked. But it was that meeting that I opened up an, an aesthetic surgery journal, and I looked at the masthead. Like, you know, they, they had them out or were giving them out mm-hmm. at this meeting. Um, and I looked, and it was an all-male masthead. And so yeah. at that, and I looked at, you know, all the, and they're all aesthetic surgeons, and I knew most of their patients were female because, mm-hmm. you know, I was watching the surgery being done and being yeah. taught. And, um and so, and everybody's talking about what women want. Well, this, my yeah. patients want this in New York and my yeah. women want this in Texas. <laughs> and at that point in time, when I looked at the masthead, a, a fleeting thought went through my mind of like, I wonder if I could ever be the first female president of that. Really? I, I wonder if I could do that. So you and actually, you actually had that thought like at the, at that meeting. Yeah. At wow. At the first aesthetic society meeting. That's and, awesome. And I remember I was standing by an elevator looking at an ASJ. They just had him out by an elevator bank. And, and it was a fleeting thought because I thought, no, it's 2000. I mean, it was like 2002, you know, spring yeah, 2002. Yeah. And I was like, someone will get there before yeah. me. I just, it was a fleeting thought. And I put it out of my mind. I thought, how cool would that oh, yeah, be? Yeah. I, I love this place. Like, I could live here. But yeah. um, so, you know, interestingly enough, time passes and, and, it, and no one did. You know, there are certainly qualified women, you know, amazing yeah. women before me, Lori Cassis. And, and, and a lot of well-qualified women. But as it turned out, I ended up being in that position, which I'm very, I'm so honored for. I mean, and, and yeah, it, it kind of feels a, a little late, but I think it's just, it's just a function of, you know, we have a meritocracy and, and you, yeah. you kind of, you start at, at the board level and you work your way up. And I, I was, you know, invited to be on the board. I became the communications commissioner 
and work my way up. And, um, and, and I, you know, I guess. Well, um, and I, I, I think, I think just kind of for, I mean, a lot of our folks are, you know, are, are injectors and, and entrepreneurs and, and maybe don't have as much, um, familiarity with the way um, the surgical societies work. But I mean, you're absolutely right. Like there's a certain amount of time and, that you have to put in in these things. And 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 th- there really weren't. I mean, the, even even like 20 years ago, the, the number of women plastic surgeons was was not nearly as much as as the men. So, I mean, in some ways it, you know, you had to wait for that kind of cohort that you were in, that you represented yeah, to start to I mean, in, in some ways you can't expedite. So if 54% yeah. of med students right now are women, as right. you know, right. to, to, you, we can't speed up when they're going to be here, yeah. right? There, there's just, there is an ascendancy and especially in, in surgery, there, there's a there's a built-in ascendancy and hierarchy. Yeah. It is. I mean, it's not. You know, I often will liken it something to like to the military. You know, you can't get around. You can't just automatically go from the bottom to the top. It just right. doesn't work that way. And so, I think that's true. I think that's definitely true. Um, it's just you know, and we're, we're it's a merit-based organization. But I think um, you know, for the past ten years, we the, the board and, and our leadership have really concentrated on getting um, women and being be more inclusive and diverse. Yeah. And, and, and that was when we first, you know, Mindy and I came on the board and then a few years later, Tracy Pfeiffer. And so we now have in line three women in like the next five years to yeah. be president. Yeah. I, uh, I don't, I, I, I don't doubt it. Um, and, and ASAPs, for, for those of you who don't know, ASAPs is an incredible organization. I've worked with, with, with you all for, Gosh, probably ten or fifteen years doing various things. Um, just mostly speaking, but you're a great organization, and um, and let's so let's talk a little bit of, though about um, just kind of the aesthetics industry and, and med spas in particular, because obviously you know you're on a med spa centered podcast. And although I I was just speaking this weekend with somebody, how we we collectively all hate the term med spa, um, just because yeah, I just I, wish there was a better one. I like, wish there was too. Another word for it, hardly. It, yeah. yeah, that word spa in it just it really it, it, it that's what 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 does it. And uh, but but unfortunately, you know, this is kind of the pond that we're we're swimming in. Um, yeah. What you know, so and I know that med, med spas are. I was at the ASAPs meeting this this well, a couple months ago. Med spas are a huge point of conversation and at, at, in surgical societies and at conferences. Um, tons of people, tons of surgeons um, are opening them. But I also think it's, it's in some ways um, difficult for surgeons to kind of pick up on what med spas are and how they work and how and because it's a very different, d- different, um, different uh, business. What, um, what, what, what do you think about the way that aesthetics is trending with with med spas med spas you talk to the folks at allergan that's in the fastest growing segment um it's the fastest growing segment for a lot of different a lot of different people what you, you when you look at med spas from where you are right now it's it's got to be it's got to be fairly amazing that this whole industry has just kind of popped up um in the last 10 15 years yeah and i think um where where i was like kind of Back in that timeline, where when I was senior resident, we were just just starting to inject Botox, and we would yeah. I, I, I was like, "Oh my God, this is the secret sauce right here!" <laughs> and I, we, you know, let's laser hair removal. We like yeah. rental rental laser hair removal device. Maybe there was a CO two laser out there, but we didn't have all these devices and fillers. And I just, I, I, I foresaw that there would be some form of a boom. This is only going to get bigger. That's what I foresaw. 
Um, and, and, and that's why I, I was very interested in it from an early, early age, because I was doing, I was dipping my finger into the, to the pie, so to speak, because I was, uh, you know, a woman and, you know, might now in my thirties and, um, and I, I was, I was exposed to it all the time. So I think, um, it just grew and it boomed over like, yeah, like you're saying, like the last 10 years, um, and, and now um, it's a different world. I, I, did yeah. a, I did a similar podcast for um, something called The Resident Review mm-hmm. recently, and it's residents, and they just let come out and to practice with a whole other set of yeah. questions and worries and woes and finances and what, what, what device here, what device there. Yeah. Um, interestingly enough, I mean, what I tell young people just as a measure of advice is like, the first device really think about you come out with is your hands, like your yeah. hands, mind are the best thing you have. Yeah. And, and even just um, young physicians starting injecting, that's a great way for plastic surgeons say to segue into surgery because we see patients, I, I inject on Fridays in my medical spa and I love it. I've, I've kind of had a, a revelation and gone back to it after 15 years of not doing it. Mm-hmm. I had, you know, I have injectors still, but I used to not do it about, you know, hmm. five, six years ago. Uh, but I've, I've had a revelation. I, li- I really like it, and, and there's so many advancements in the fillers. Yeah. But um, it's it's been really it's been really fun. Well, what was that? So you you, you have um, a med spa in Austin, um, and then um, one's called Skin Skintology, right? In, Skintology, right? In, 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 uh, in Manhattan. New York City. Yeah. yeah. That's in Midtown. Midtown, yeah. And what 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 was it that that kind of caused that revelation? Number one, just for you to start doing injectables again, which I think is I find very interesting. But then also, you know, you've got your surgery practice itself. Um, you know, up until relatively recent history, most plastic surgeons would would do or they would ha- offer these procedures. But then they, you know, now it's kind of become you have to have a med spa as part of your 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 practice. What? Talk about kind of that, you know, the, 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 when you first decided I'm going to open a separate brand, yeah. like it's just a, a different was, brand. That was basically when I, you know, I ended up in New York and I loved it so much. I was there, you know, early thirties, sex in the city was the number one TV mm-hmm. show and I'm in New York. I was a young single woman. So it was just, it was, it was really fun. Great place. I decided to stay in practice there. So I was there about seven and a half years practicing and in New York. It's so top heavy with a lot of plastic surgeons and, and mm-hmm. heavyweight dermatologists. There weren't a lot of medical spas back then with, say, nurse injectors yeah. or PAs that owned them or anything like that. And so th- back then, the, all the dermatologists had the stake in injecting yeah. and, and, and laser and everything. Yeah, so for sure. if you needed a laser, you sent it to Dr. So-and-so who does laser. And we had we had real we had boundaries here. Yeah. So yeah. Um, and this is, you know, back then, back then. And there weren't a lot of devices either. You know, we had like Fermage maybe and CO2 laser and then Earth. And those were serious Um, lasers. Those things, those would do do some damage (laughs) in a good way. uh, Yeah. I mean, those were the early the early devices we try out and stuff, but it, there were there were a lot of med spas, and so I gave I, I ended up giving birth to my twin sons around um, it was in November twenty ten. Um, I stayed in New York about a year before I like just flew up the white flag and said I need help. Right, mm-hmm. I'm a single mom. I did IVF. I waited too way too late to try to do it naturally. So um, basically, I decided to do that, and mm-hmm. um, I'm a single mother by choice. Uh, did IVF at NYU, and after a year, I decided to move home to Austin to be near my family. You know, I have like three mm-hmm. older brothers, an older sister, 
My sister is is my CPA. He gives me excellent business advice. I couldn't do it without her. That's awesome. And, I trust her, and that is and that's like another talk, but that's an important part of that. Yeah. Um, and and, and a, a surgeon running a business, yeah. Yeah. she would say. Um, we'll get to that later. But um, but I, I ended up coming here, and in Texas, it was kind of more. It's like wide open spaces. Yeah. So family doctor owns the med spa, the main busy med spa hopping that people, my friends would talk about. I was like, dude, that's owned by like the fan. Okay. So I didn't get it. You know, yeah, and I don't, yeah. I respect, I respect other doctors that own med spas. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. I came from a very top heavy place at yeah. NYU with me. And so I didn't understand. Um, and there were several plastic surgeons that owned med spas. And I just kind of, I, I looked at the way, you know, it, the, the market was in Texas yeah. and it seemed to me, it was kind of a, it was a, fertile ground for a plastic surgeon, a female plastic surgeon. And Absolutely. So like, in two, I got started here in Austin surgically with my own office OR and that sort of thing. And it was by about, by about 2014, 2015, I, I, every, it, things were starting to boom with the medical spa industry. And I opened my first one okay. within my surgical practice within the same space, okay. it's a bigger place. Okay. And uh, I hired some key people that were, were good at what they did and were mm-hmm. working for, for um, other types of physicians that had med spas that, that were not, that were doing some things out of scope, like mm-hmm. doing procedures. And they didn't, they wanted to be, I think, I think we served each other well. I think at that point in time, um, these providers wanted to be with a, a well-known plastic surgeon at yeah. the top of, the, of their game. And then I needed people that knew med spa, like how, how do they run it? Like, how, how do they book it? How do they schedule it? What type of rooms do they mean, need me running down the hallway? I'm like, get the fuck out. You know, like, so they need, it's like a spa environment. Everybody yeah. got to quiet down. It's, yeah. not a, yeah. it's not like your, it's not like your OR environment where we're yelling yeah. like, Hey, come help with lifting. Yeah. You know, so I had to learn the medical yeah. spa industry. And I had some yeah. key providers. They don't, they don't work with me for me anymore. And there's been, you know, since, and I mean, how many years have passed a lot that there's been transition, but yeah. Um, I'm a, I think we're all a, a better person for it, a better business for yeah. it. So I learned from them. They learned from yeah. me. And, so, and, and do you still that have... Was like, that, was, that was like an esthetician, you know, yeah. but you can learn a lot yeah. so much. I really respect... My mom's a nurse and like, just for all of you listening, I really respect you guys, like nurses, estheticians. I learned so much from you. I, I learned a lot. And, yeah. um, and that's where I learned a lot of... of of, of kind of the tricks of the trade for the medical spine. Well, and, and, and business is business. And a lot of that, a lot of what they're doing, I always tell this to folks when we're, especially plastic surgeons, like you have to, it's a, it's a different mindset, right? When you're, when it you're is. running um, a medical spot, it's a very different mindset. It's a business mindset. And it that, is. that was something, you know, we don't, we didn't, maybe, maybe, maybe now you could get your MD, MBA, um, mm-hmm. You could get it at, at, at um, you yeah, know, SMU hard. if you're up there in Dallas or yeah. wherever you can get it. At, I don't know, know of too many people who have done that. But yeah, it, but not many people do. There is no business class. There was no, nothing, not a whiff of anything about business. So you, I learned a, a lot from so it's two main people. When I got out of in practice, um, Dr. Aston, who was mm-hmm. I was in practice with for about seven and a half years, kind of ta- taught me the foundations of business and, yeah. and and how to run a plastic surgery practice, a surgical yeah. practice. And so that was a wonderful foundation then to come back to Austin and I built my own business with yeah. that knowledge. I could have never done that, like just right out of like residency or fellowship. And then, as I mentioned before, uh, my sister Karen, who is a CPA, 
helped me get the business in Austin started from a, right. a business and a legal standpoint. I also have a brother who's an attorney. Yeah. Um, so, so you got too. everything covered. That's um, awesome. But yeah, <laughs> so they helped me get that, that foundation started, but um, I didn't, I, I mean, they're, they're, I, they had to teach me about a P&L sheet to tell you yeah. something. It's like kind of embarrassing, but like no. it's the truth. They had to show me like what does red and black mean and what. It's <laughs> honestly, it's I, yeah. I I wish that more because we deal with this all the time and and we just we we just released a study actually today, um our our kind of business study and sorry I've got a dog barking in the background of course this is how it works, um but over eighty percent of of med spa owners don't understand just very very basic business acumen and it's not like and it's just like you said it's it's the penal and what i i the fact that you are admitting that i think i wish more young surgeons would and say look i don't know this i someone needs to show me because it really is essential and especially when you get into the med spot business um if you don't know that stuff it it, it can go sideways i and so i and i i have i have so many questions for you like the, the hearing you talk just gets me gets my yeah, mind no, shoot, shoot. yeah i mean it's um it's been a learning experience to me, and and, and it's not been um, a, a, it's not necessarily always a fun one. Like, yeah, right. It's like a twenty four seven thing where you get surprising emails all the time that you don't want to get. Like, I'll yeah. be honest, it's like, oh, phew, what happened? You know, like, so it's it, running a business like having another baby, but um, it I definitely have have. I guess it's more because I didn't ever have a, a dedicated pathway of entrepreneurship mm-hmm. or business. I, I learned by fire, right? So yeah. I learned as I went along that I had good advisors that would that, that would steer me this way, steer me that way, and um, I, I I think that helped me. And then and then I, I think in my in my mind and you know like just from what I get asked to lecture on, I have I'm somewhere in a different brain when it comes to like marketing, right? So yeah. marketing and kind of the forward face of the public face, how you want to represent yourself, what is your brand? That that's my thing, and that, yeah. and I was. You know, like the communications commissioner, I was in charge of that for the aesthetic society. So I think that melded well. Like when it came down to it, I trusted my advisors and I learned from them. And and I make mistakes, but I, I learn the most from my mistakes. Really, not well. To, not and to do it again. that's actually a, a perfect segue because I was I was going to ask you about that anyway. And and I was just on your Instagram um, page, and like you've got you and you've developed, and you're on your website too. You've developed such an incredible following and your, your, your brand is, 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 is huge. Right. And it's, um, you know, you see you're on the cover of all these magazines, you're getting in, you know, you're getting, you're getting interviewed, you've got all this stuff, stuff going on. And, and that's really, I, I can tell you've got kind of a knack for that and you know how to market and brand yourself. Um, and then having other folks help you on the other stuff is great, but, but talk a little bit about that. Have, have you always known, um, like when you first started out, did you know you wanted to have your face on the cover of a magazine? Did you know you wanted to be, cause you're, you've yeah. kind of, you've got a level of fame now that a lot of us will never achieve. I mean, did, was that kind of your goal from the beginning or did it just no, happen? No, not at all. I, I just, all I wanted to do was be a plastic surgeon. I just wanted to have a practice and like have it not tank. And so that's <laughs> yeah. why I thought like, I, well, I need to do some subspecialty training. I learned yeah. I, I, if I'm in a private practice, I need to learn aesthetic surgery. So I, I go to, I, I try to go to the best place I can go to. Right. So try to be the best, my best version of myself. And so I, I think it all, I think being in New York, what got kind of started with that was 
Um, you know, when you're in, in the Mecca, you, you get asked to do interviews. And so it just started with like some uh, yeah. on the air interview and, and it was, it was, I don't know what it was. I, it, CBS or Fox or something. So, like but that. there was no like seeking it out. Like that was yeah. just kind of an organic. Hey, just, we'd love to have, love yeah. to have you. And, and then, it, and then I get getting asked, and so yeah. that whole thing of um, you're you're you're. I, I I wanted to be good at it, and 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 at some point in time, I know there's no question in this podcast about what would you do if you weren't in this. Like at some point in time, yeah. I, I thought like you know I should have been a news anchor. Like so, I wanted at some point in time, I really. They were asking me, like, I think at Fox News, which is, you know, cringy to some, but like <laughs> at one point in time, they were, before, right before I moved back to Austin, they were talking about having me to be their medical news anchor. Really? And I was, and yeah, and I, and I thought that was amazing. I ended up moving back to Austin, but I think that, I think it was the, the right time and right place. But I think that, 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 all of that that happened there in New York City, that you don't yeah. get that, you don't get that unless you're in New York City or LA. That really helped me to come back here with a brand, like yeah. a, a, kind of a little bit of a following already. I had patience already before I got here, and um, and, to, and to and to kind of start with a a, a good foundation yeah. for, for growing my brand, and and that helped me um, immensely. And, and and the like the magazines and all that. Just, that I think just media begets media, and so totally. that just happened over time. And and I was, uh, you know, one thing I will like say is. Back back in the day when like it was like MySpace just came out, so I was like <laughs> yeah. right at the, the good techie age yeah. back then when yeah. MySpace and Facebook came out. I was maybe like you know in my early thirties, and, yeah. and I was single, and I, I I thought that stuff was so interesting. Yeah. So I was like one of the first plastic yeah. surgeons, if not the first, to have a Facebook like. And I made it a business page. Yeah. And I had I had like my, my senior associate and other people say, No, my gosh, you you can't do that as a plastic surgeon. You cannot be on social media as a plastic surgeon yeah. and talk about yeah. what you do. And and it's just it's just gauche and like you know I had someone you know um you know from a, from someone from across here say you can't post about like this. It's a, it's, yeah. it's about like a patient story. And I was like, Oh yeah, you can. <laughs> and wish wait till the future hits. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, that was, it, it's interesting it you know, because I just, I knew it was going to be big. I knew social media would be big and I knew it'd be big for plastic surgeons because we're visual. Yeah. Our results are visual. We yeah. have something visual to, to show I'm people. telling you, I remember, and this was at an ASAP's meeting. This must have been, um, gosh, 10 years ago or longer, maybe even longer. But I remember sitting there and watching a discussion between some of the older guard cosmetic surgeons and some of these young, like I think Sheila Nazarian was there. And I think like some of these other, you know, younger surgeons that were coming up that had these. And it really was, it was not a a foregone conclusion that the society and the, and the surgeons that were leading it were going to be like, yes, let's embrace social media. It was really controversial for a while. Yeah, it was. It was. And I think we had to walk them into it and kind of just go tread. I mean, I just, I was very cognizant from an early age just because I was in a place where there are a lot of, you know, esteemed older plastic surgeons I had trained with and learned from my senior associate. And I was just, I always was very careful about how I did it. And I was careful about my image. And and I always, you know, I was involved with the aesthetic society and I think I, I, but I also think I helped them kind of move a little forward in the future too. As, yeah, for as sure. a communication commissioner, 
I worked with um, a guy who's retired by now, but he's ama- he's he's funny and amazing. And John O'Leary, you mm-hmm. may you may remember him. But but we we would we we had fun. I mean, yeah. and, but uh, you know, part of that was we uh, he'd say, "What about TV?" And I'd say, "TV's fine. That's fine. Let's, but we got to do social media." Social right? media. So we would have these back and forth conversations. But I, you know, and and, and I, Prince Evergreen, and, and I still I still think that, and I and I know I, it just comes to me. A lot of that comes to me naturally, but um, but but. Um, yeah, we we've really. Um, I think that, I think the society's really taking great leaps with yeah, with, for with sure. social media and 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 you know and we're we're trying to reach people younger in the pipeline through those channels. That's one of like my tenets of my presidency is trying to kind of reach people younger yeah. and, and, and underserved areas that don't have plastic surgery departments. And how are we going to do that? Well, we're going to do that by reaching their groups, their student groups, their resident yeah. groups. On social media and having them repost yeah. content and educating and, and you had the, you, you all did the, the the residency the business program for 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 residents I think that I spoke at that was that was that was really cool it was like a um, the business of, 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 oh, yeah, business of plastic yeah, surgery. yeah, which was really cool. Yeah. Um, and, and if you look at the, the, the younger surgeons that are coming out there, they have a completely different mindset of, oh, of gosh, how things yeah. work. It's, they made it's, me feel so old because they, they, <laughs> so they live, so their main method of communication is just that, yeah. that, that, that social media, like, DM like yeah. that's how they communicate. I'll open my DMs on Instagram and I'll be like, "Oh my god, I got a message three months ago." So they're <laughs> just in a different mind space than I was. But I, I was I I like it because I and I don't I don't buck it at all. I get it because that's how that's how I was. I remember that's me, but it was me. Yeah, 15, I think we can learn. From, I mean, we'll we'll end up learning from them um, more exactly. than, than anything. Yeah. Well, my son types faster on a keyboard than I do, and he's eleven. He's just <laughs> I mean, like and, just, they, and you ever, I don't even know. About, I yeah. watch them type on a, on an iPhone and I about fall out of my chair because I have to, I can't even do that. Um, so I, I, I have one quick follow because I know this, this might be of interest in folks. So, so you're, um, I, I love the fact that, that, that you, you've got on TV or on some of these news programs and you're, you're, if you're very accomplished and you're very good and, and, and charismatic and smooth and you speak well and it's, it, it comes across really, really natural to you. But I know, um, I've done a couple news interviews and I've never been asked back. So that tells you about how well I did. <laughs> but how did you get, um, like, did you get, when you were in New York, did you get training? And, 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 and I ask that because I'm curious, like if somebody's out there who maybe wants to do more of that, what's the best way for them to get good at it? Cause it's not just, it's not just getting the opportunities and getting the PRs. You've got to knock it out of the park and be someone yeah, that they want to come back to. You've got to impress them quickly. Right. And the first, you know, and I, I've, I, you know, in New York city, I think, um, Several people helped me. I mean, back back then in the day, one of my first things I ever did on TV was through the Aesthetic Society, um, and it was it was back when um, silicone implants were reapproved, and it was on CBS News, and and um, and um, Adina Freed helped me, and or she's in New York City, um, and she she was there at. Um, Cheryl's office and, and coached me and had me put on my white coat. That was one of my first yeah. ones. And once I did it, they, the, um, the, um, I guess it's, the, I don't know, I guess it's their, 
their, it's like their editor or whatever, I guess, who's there, yeah. gave me her card and said, we're going to use you more. And so it was just that kind of thing. And I, um, I occasionally, so I'd have, I'd have public relations training through the aesthetic society, through okay. the, those women. And also, um, you know, I, I didn't ever have like a publicist, like every now and then I'd have one related to something. Like if I was doing a, a project or an event, and yeah. there was a publicist involved, then I would make sure and uh, know, like I, I might know them or use them for, for that period of time. Yeah. So I did get some, I got some media training through some key people that in New York City. Um, one of my best friends um, in New York City who I'd gone to college with was in PR. And so she, she kind of helped me okay. get in contact and get asked. And one of the first interviews I did, I didn't do. Like I, I was so messed. I, I got, caught in a traffic jam in, in like the Holland Tunnel and I missed it. And I was so upset because I'm, that's not me. I was, yeah. I just didn't, I didn't know. Don't leave the city. If you have an interview on TV, do not leave New York city. I didn't know. I was from Texas. That was like the first time, but it was the last time anything ever happened like that. Cause I was like, I'm not going to get a second chance. Yeah. Like, yeah. so the next time I went back, I just knocked it out of yeah. the park and they kept yeah. asking me back. So it's really been, I mean, you've had, so, it sounds like you've had some kind of training and help, but mostly it's just been kind of practice and, yeah, I mean, it, it was training and help occasionally, never, never consistently by one yeah. firm or, or person. Yeah. Um, but, but I, it, when I moved back to Austin, um, I, I did work with some uh, a great published a PR firm that's been here forever, yeah. and um, and um, uh, I worked with them for a little while just to help me move, like just to move the practice, yeah. and like just yeah. like help me with the stationery, like yeah. everything branding. Um, and so they helped me in Austin get started, but that was, it was a temporary time. Um, but I can still call upon them and say like, Hey, what would you do with this situation? And so that helps that forge relationships that can last a long time. For sure. But really all the, like the magazine stuff that all happened after, you know, after the move and that just kind of, a lot of that happened organically. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and once I established myself yeah. in Texas, yeah. Well, I, everyone who's listening should go check her out. Um, um, because, uh, wh- what's your Instagram handle again? Cause I, at, at, at Dr. Jennifer Walton. At Dr. Jennifer Walton. Yeah. Um, and because you've got, obviously you've done, you've done an amazing job. So I, I do, I've got a, a list of questions. I want to make sure I get to get to some of the, um, some of the ones that, that, that we wanted to talk about from a kind of a larger picture perspective in aesthetics. Um, you know, there has been this, as we talked about a little bit earlier, this shift towards non-invasive, non-surgical. Certainly, surgical aesthetics is still a, a thriving um, business and, and will continue to be, I think, forever. Um, but we are seeing a lot of these, these what we're calling non-core physicians coming in and doing aesthetics. So that's, um, we see a lot of family practice, a lot of ER docs who want to get out of kind of the, and this also is nurse practitioners and PAs, and you've seen this over the course of the last, you know, decade and longer, where they've really just, and, and, and one of the things that I've seen that, they, that they've done is they have really embraced the business. Um, and so they've really, um, they've, they've really learned how to, how to, how to do it as a, uh, as a med spa and sell. And so they've become very successful, but I'm curious from, from, from your perspective, sitting kind of at the, at the top of the mountain on um, the ASAPs, what, what do you think about that? I mean, where do you think this is, is going? Is it, is it, 
and I don't want to get into too too much controversy here, but is it is it good for the industry? Is it bad for the industry? I've heard I've heard folks say this is a turf war, and there's you know cosmetic derms are trying to you know kind of push people out, and then it's all this kind of back and forth. Um, I think it's all good, and I think you know we're seeing the industry thrive, um, and and we're all gonna you know we're all doing better for it. But I, I'd love to have your perspective on it. I mean, I think plastic surgeons are in a unique position because they have a wide spectrum of offerings that are surgical and non-surgical that that deal with um, the face, the breast, the body, the nose. Um, And we're kind of people that see the anatomy in surgery. So I'll do a a brow lift and and I'll call in my injector and I'll say, have you ever have you ever seen? The glabellar complex. Have you seen the muscles of the corrugators? Have you, no, no, I've never. I jumped them. I've never seen them. So, and I'll show her, and it'll be like, oh, cool. Oh my god, yeah. I didn't know it's expanded all the way out, almost to the mid brow. You know, so I'll teach them that way. So I think we, being um, anatomists, and we see the anatomy have a different three dimensional understanding sure. of it, yeah. and then that way we can do a little more advanced techniques and, yeah. and things like that. And so I think we're. I think in that sense, you know. Um, I think we are kind of at, at, at the top of the heap, and, and, and so to speak, just because we are able to deal with the complications that then, then that could happen yeah. in a medical spa setting if we delegate. I want to be darn sure I can deal with the problem if I get it. Yeah. Um, and so I think it, it gets a little bit different when you maybe have like an internist that runs a medical spa that doesn't do anything invasive, right? Yeah. They don't. They don't do anything. All they don't with the gastroenterology or, or an anesthesiologist or yeah. whatever. It's you know there are some interesting th- or just non non physician, yeah. you know, not physician, non PA, non NP. Um, so there's all sorts of variances out there now. But I do think it's important to have a medical director who, whose understanding of the procedures that you perform and knowing how to deal with CPLA and complications. Yeah. So. And I mean, a good example of that is like, I have a medical director in, in New York City who's, who's really good and she does hormone management like BioT. Yeah. But when it comes to things with injectables, I, I will often come in and be helping them, right? Because she's very honest. She's like, well, I don't, I don't do this. So I, I need your help, a guidance on this. So we had a cool sculpting case that had PA, paradoxical hyperplasia. And, and it was interesting mm-hmm. her, her, you know, like her exam of the abdomen was like, you know, she's examining the liver and like the bowel sounds. And I was like, well, I know, but we got to write down some more things. Like how did the, how did the, how did the fat feel? Was it rubbery? Was it firm? And she's like, well, I never, ex- I never examined an abdomen that way. So I, yeah. I can teach them. And that's when I came in and helped like fill out the forms and, you know, liaise with allergy and that sort of thing, because ultimately we know how to deal with that. Right. Like the lady's going to end up getting it liposuction with an abdominal plastic and that's a plastic surgeon that's going to handle yeah. the problem for yeah. allergy, right? Yeah. Um, and so um, that that is, I think that's why we're in a unique position. I mean, where it's going, um, you know, I, I guess it will, it will see where it shakes down. I don't think it, you know, like you said, like we're, we're kind of, it, it's not a terrible mess or, you know, it's, it's it is what it is, right? Yeah. There's, there's a flood of injectors and, and there's a flood of you know aesthetics um spas and that sort of thing but um i do think i do think it's important to get a medical director involved that that has knowledge about the anatomy and the complications and and the, and the procedures you do to help treat I, those. I think I that's think i think that's the smart thing to yeah. do from a liability perspective i mean for you guys Absolutely. i'm sure you 
recommend similar. Oh, a hundred percent. I think it's 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 getting better. Um, because I think, you know, the first I, I, I kind of break med spas into different kind of, you know, iterations. And, you know, we had the kind of the early 2000s before the recession when Botox was just coming out, you know, sex. And I think we all owe a debt of gratitude to sex in the city. And um, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> yeah, because they I mean, they were the first ones who were really introducing Botox yes. to, to the yeah. world. Um, but, you know, now it's 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 kind of the second or third iteration. And, and we used to see all the time, um, you know, 2009, 2010. It was these 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 doctors who really knew nothing about aesthetics and they were just kind of leasing their licenses out and they ran 50 yeah. med spas and that was just a recipe for disaster because and that's it, kind of where i came into it like yeah. i said that's when i kind of moved back to austin that's what i was seeing oh my God. i was like well why are they, they do it like yeah. why are why you know this is this this is an opportunity here right yeah well it's and and you know and, and safety and, and for a thriving business I, I and i think this is part of like what we had talked about at the beginning with you know the term med spa and maybe even kind of the backlash or kind of the unintended consequence of the sex in the city effect where you've it just seems so easy right it seems so easy and and the business seems easy and so everybody was like oh i'm gonna go get a piece of it the the problem is is that there there are complications and you know you can't be a director a medical director if you don't know the treatments and we were seeing a lot of that where it's getting a lot better now i i feel like the the level of expertise and the training and we're certainly trying to do our part to make sure everyone needs to you've got to be trained you can't you can't go in there just you know guessing because there's some there's some nasty things that can happen if you don't know what yeah, you're doing oh for sure we can you know we see really horrible things blindness you yeah. know necrosis that sort of thing can happen i mean um but yeah i think the quality of of providers and in, injectors and and just um even even um I, like estheticians that do treatment, I think that the, 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 stand, the standard is raising, right? Yes. And I think that just from what I see, I think they're not very knowledgeable about being safe. And I think they want to be protected too. I think that's a smart thing. Like, so they want to find a, a reputable medical director. Like, you know, I think that's a smart thing to do, not just someone who like doesn't understand the treatments and just signs charts or whatever. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, I remember... And I was first a lawyer in this get hearing, you know, the, the story, the typical story would be medical director looks at charts once a week, like, and that's it. And just signs off on everything. It says, Oh yeah. But it's like, it's already happened. How can you be signing off on a chart? <laughs> so we're, we're, we're getting, we're getting past that. Um, so, and that's kind of what we're trying to do. We want to make sure, and I think, I think together we can, you know, your society and ANSPA, we can do a lot to, to kind of help spread the word on that with the, with some of the, right, the providers. Right. I think, um, I think patients end up going, um, I mean, there's like a place for everyone. And I think patients end up going where they find someone they feel comfortable with and, and they have to, you know, I guess they have to be happy and comfortable with that person's qualifications. And, and I think some of that is on patients and then a lot of it is on us to educate on qualifications and yeah. what is board, what does board certification mean, right? right. And, and what is, what is it? What's the difference, you know, between an, an aesthetic surgeon and a cosmetic surgeon? Um, right, right. And there was recently, like last week, there was an article in Bloomberg about that. And so I yeah. think the fact that the media are picking that up and under and trying to they're teasing out the difference between like a board certified plastic surgeon and or versus maybe 
um, a, a, someone who is like, you know, para, yeah. paraprofessional doing plastic surgery procedures yeah. in the hotel, you know, something yeah. like that. There's a difference and we need to educate the general public on it yeah. too. So, um, kind of uh, along those lines, like in this next, so, so your, your term as president of ASEPS is for, is for a year, right? right. So what, like, going into it, are there things that you're like, okay, like, is it like a, you know, in politics where this is my platform, here's what I want to accomplish. I mean, what do you want to, like, what do you want to do? Like, what do you, like, have you thought about that? How do you want your mark yeah, to I be? Mean, we, we certainly, you, you know, as we, as we become president, we, we, we don't necessarily want to have a new huge project every year. That doesn't make sense. Has that, we have to have a long-term consistent solution. So, I mean, our executive committee right now is, is very in tune with, with each other. And that's great. Um, like core things that I knew I wanted to continue was basically um, in, like kind of enhancing inclusion and diversity of the aesthetic society. So letting people who are younger and think they may not have access to the society know that they do. So reaching right. out to young younger um, factions and, and, and people that maybe don't have exposure to plastic surgery training in, in their hospital system. So th- that was one thing, becoming more inclusive, inclusive and, and diverse um, yeah. population. And the mirrors are the patients that we're treating, right? Because we treat, we treat, um, you know, every, every ethnicity and, and that sort of thing. And so we really, we really want to mirror that. Um, so basically other than that, um, I wanted, uh, one of the things I wanted to do is enhance, um, our kind of relationships with our global partners. So mm-hmm. we have a fair amount of global partnerships and, and we haven't really taken advantage of those relationships both ways. I mean, we can learn so much from, from them and, and, and they can learn from us. So it's enhancing our memory, like our MOUs, we have memorandums of understanding with our partners. And so we're, we're doing more in, in, in with ISAPs where, you yeah. know, even talking to MCAS, you know, yeah. that sort of things. So these are all things we maybe wouldn't have done 10 years ago, but I'm like, this is the future guy, you know, guys, this is the future here. And so um, we're trying to kind of enhance our relationships with our global partners. And then lastly, just um, one thing that also probably wasn't so like people haven't been fond of over the years, but I think, we're growing more um, um, cohesive about is just enhancing relations with our, our United States core partners. So the um, facial plastic surgeons mm-hmm. and dermatologists, it's up to us, plastic surgeons, facial plastics and dermatologists to stick together in numbers kind of to combat the non cores that are flooding the specialty. And, 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 and you know, basically, I mean, we're, we're dealing with people that, that aren't trained to do plastic surgery that are doing it and that are, and that are being the medical directors and not knowing how to deal with complications. And a lot of times plastic surgeons end up taking care of those people. Right. right. So um, I think that we only can band together and be stronger together. And, and our core partners, you know, dermatology, organized dermatology, organized facial plastic surgery, we become much closer with. And so that's been one of the tenets too, is to do more with them, and, you know, the possibility of opening up meetings and, and having them together, which um, yeah. in, in the past has not been ever, we, we, were, we used to be a little more exclusive about that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, and I think, you know, I think our the the medical spa industry, which of, you know of course has a lot of these non core doctors and and, and non physician injectors, um, I think can will, will benefit from those relationships, um, provided provided we are all kind of open and honest about you know how this all 
works. And because, you know, I, I've heard, I've had some conversations with, and this has been a while uh, ago, but, you know, some who were like, we, I don't, you know, some, some uh, cosmetic derms or surgeons who said, you know, I don't believe anybody other than us should be able to be doing these procedures. And, and, and my, my response has always been like, I respect your opinion, but that ship has sailed. Like it's, yeah. this is, <laughs> this is happening a long, long time, time ago. ago. So yeah, how do we sure. make it safe and how do we ensure yeah. that the public right. knows that it's safe? That's right. Those are, that's what we need to do. And I think that, you know, those are kind of the things we're working on this year and, and, and to and in the years to come, but right. That ship is definitely sailed. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah. So, so um we're bumping up against time so real real quick what's the um what's your favorite part about being a plastic surgeon and aesthetics and then what's the one thing that you're like oh man if i could do that differently i would change yeah. it yeah so i mean my favorite part about is probably um the ability to like transform someone's life in a short amount of time you know yeah you knew me, you know, I'm an, like I'm an immediate gratification type person. So like when I want it, I want it now, I want it yeah. now. And so, um, I was, I, you know, I, and I can't that down and, and, and that sort of thing and do self-talk and all those meditation things. But that being that way from an early age, I think that's why it attracted me to plastic surgery is we could change and we could help in a matter of hours, you can change someone's life. And so the fact I can go into like a rhinoplasty or an otoplasty or like I did a, a breast reduction on a, yeah. a young woman today. Yeah. And, and, and in a matter of hours, they, it's, it's changed. And then yeah. you see that and, and it might be another day for me. And I'm, you know, here at this podcast and she's recovering and feel, she already feels lighter. Like she already yeah. feels better. Her shoulders feel lighter. So, um, but I, I, for, you know, I have to remind myself when I go in and see the patient or the post-op to them, this was, this was the, one of the biggest, like I had one woman who's like 18 or 19 say, this was the biggest thing that's ever happened to me in my life. Yeah. You, you fixed my nose and it was, the, this is the biggest event in my life. And yeah. to me, it was another day. I was walking in another day, another another room's ready for me to see. Yeah. And, um, and I had to just stop and say, Walden, like, calm down. Like, yeah. spend time with her. How about just spend time with her, right? And so I spent a little more time and talked to her and, um, you know, with all the people waiting outside, of course, in your office hours. But I have to remind myself that. And it's that's, a, that's like... Um, privilege yeah. um, that's a privilege and it's special and it, and it needs to be yeah. revered and so that's the that's like the, the the best thing about it to me is that those and that, those patients make my day they make my week you know yeah. and, oh, it's and be it reminds me of like why i did it you know oh this is why i did it that's right that's why i went into this yeah and then i think then the worst thing you know is um the lawyers. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, no, that's funny. I'm, I call myself a recovering lawyer, so no, I I don't I'm really kidding. practice that much anymore. But I, I point taken. No, I, I'm <laughs> just joking. Um, so lawyers. I think the worst thing probably is. Oh, you know, I mean, I think, um, I think, I think, me I think medicine in general gets harder to do as the years go on. I think it gets. I think it's more tedious for physicians. I think there's more paperwork. I think there's more rigmarole. I think there's more um, um, legal compliance. And, and, and that's not, it's not bad, but like, 
in a sense, um, that can sometimes be, um, it, some days it outshadows the other. And that's why it's nice to have the girl that says you transformed my life. That's why it brings me back around. So I would just say the work of it, the, the, yeah. you know, the, yeah. the constant, constant unremitting, you know, <laughs> work. And when you're a, an owner, like, you know, the entrepreneurial part, I love being an entrepreneur, but when you're an owner or an entrepreneur, it doesn't stop. So it's 24 yeah. seven. And so you'll get e- email or a phone call or a text and it could be any, any time. I've had yeah. texts at like three in the morning of I'm sick and I'm not coming in. And that's fine. I mean, they could have told me at eight in the morning, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's anytime, yeah. any day, anything goes. Um, yeah. And so um, there'll be a day, I'm sure there'll be a day someday where I may, you know, I, maybe I pass the gauntlet on. I have a junior associate. Maybe someday she'll become a partner. Right? I we just don't, don't know. believe that. But one day maybe I'll get, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be able to relieve myself of some of that. And that's why I like my having my medical spas because that does allow me to have, you know, there's some source of passive income. Yeah. I already hurt or, or just like, like, I like going home and seeing my kids when they get home from school. I don't want to miss they're yeah. junior high and high school. Yeah. And so I, that's why I, kind of, I, I like having my medical spas and I enjoy running them. I enjoy seeing them, seeing, seeing them tick, like seeing it work because that, that allows me to have a life and a, like a better work balance. Yeah. 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 For sure. Balance, yeah. So, uh, all right, this has been great. We, we are out of time and we, I promise everybody we will get, um, Dr. Walden back on and we'll talk. There's a ton of things, um, you know, from your, um, you know that you've mentioned that I've got I've got so many more questions about oh my god we're doing we're doing we're doing like paparazzi in the background. Um, <laughs> um, so let's get you back on because I've got like the uh, a lot of things that about the you know the work life balance you've mentioned I know you've been through a lot like and just being a being a, um, a a female surgeon a female entrepreneur I think there's so much we can get into I'd love to touch more on that we're out of time though so we'll get back to that but where can folks find you if they want to see more about what you do if they want to learn more about you what's the best way to to to, so to research that website- is at drjenniferwalden.com and I have um, another a separate website for my med spa if you're interested yeah. called the med spa austin.com um, and my handle on Instagram is at drjenniferwalden and if you want to email me I have um, an aesthetic society email and it's at it's drwalden d-r-w-a-l-d-e-n at the aesthetic society.org Right. So if you have any questions um, or, you know, you're a plastic surgeon and you want to become involved or a resident, want to be in a committee, um, just let me know. That's awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining. I know you're busy, so I appreciate your time. All right. Great. Thank you so much, Alex. Thanks for joining us this week with the American Med Spa Podcast, Medical Spa Insider. This week, founder Alex Tiersch was joined by Dr. Jennifer Walden plastic surgeon, and president of the Aesthetic Society. If you're new with us, click on the subscribe button, then receive new content when it happens. Leave a rating and a review. See you on our next episode.